Good afternoon. This, um, we have, you know what? We just need to have everybody come over here. This, this group over here is just, they're, they're representing better than over here. So, um, so I, I welcome all of you. Welcome those who are joining us by Facebook Live to our, our Holy Week services. We've had wonderful services all, all week long and I'm looking forward to hearing Laura Satterfield uh, today. But, and we also have Kent back that's gonna be singing for us and I always uh, love to hear him sing. So uh, we're gonna kind of get warmed up after we have our prayer by, by singing ourselves. So, so get, get ready, do your breathing exercises. And if you're joining us, you can sing from home. If you're, if you're like watching from work and everything, then I really think you ought to sing with us and make your coworkers wonder what's going on. So let's pray. Lord, you've blessed us with a beautiful day and this Holy Week has uh, given us time to, to think about what you did for us and the perfect love that you have for us. Lord, thank you for giving us this opportunity to take time out of the middle part of our day to pause and to ponder what your spirit would say to us. So through the music, through the uh, special music, through the message, speak to our hearts today, Lord, as we open them up to you in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand as you're able and join with our opening. Our, our hymn is number 645, Oh Perfect Love.
Please be seated. Our guest singer today is uh, someone who comes back just about every year. He may, I don't know, do you owe JT something? Is that why? You, <laughs> I, maybe he owes JT something, but we sure do love to hear Kent back sing. And also, um, our guest speaker is a return for us, and uh, Laura Satterfield is, is our, our friend, and also she is serving now as a district secretary, bless her heart, uh, for our district <laughs> superintendent. And she's also a licensed local pastor. She's been going through that process for a couple of years. She's been children director. She's done a lot of, had a lot of different hats on, as well as a mom and, and all of the things that go along with that. So we look forward to hearing her speak again for us after Kent sings.
and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever afternoon. I would like to start out by thanking Sam and Andy for the opportunity to be here with you all this morning. And I've got to say, wow, what a gift. That, that was just beautiful, beautiful music to start out with. It is truly a blessing to get to share this time with you during Holy Week. Will you join me as we open with a word of prayer? Dear gracious and heavenly Father, we are so very grateful at the opportunity to gather together and worship in your name. We ask that you fill this place with your presence and let us come with open hearts and minds into the word in which we are about to see. Lord, speak through me so that others will have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mouth that leads others to you. In your most precious and holy name we pray, amen. Now, I hope all of you have had an amazingly good day so far. I know you're probably looking forward to the wonderful meal that has been prepared, but I'm sure there may be a few of you whose day is not going as you quite imagined it would. Maybe you woke up late, burnt the toast, got caught in traffic, experienced a loss, or maybe forgot something, or maybe someone put the milk carton back in the refrigerator empty. There could be a number of reasons why your day is not like that Norman Rockwell painting we all aspire to. But if you noticed, when I greeted you all, I did not begin with good afternoon. I just greeted with afternoon. That's because I was blessed to hear Adeline Kufarma, who leads in missions among other things in the North Alabama Conference, but I was blessed to hear her speak about when she was growing up and how her mother would correct her for greeting someone with good morning. Her mother taught her not to greet others with good morning because everyone may not be experiencing a good morning. We have no idea what someone may be going through. No idea. Instead, Adeline was taught to greet others with mourning because I am well if you are well. But someone could be having a hard time or going through a painful experience, and we just don't know. We have no idea. But today, we're gonna to be taking a look at scripture that is going to be painful, gut-wrenching even. John chapter 13 tells us that Jesus was troubled. Troubled in spirit and testified very truly 
I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple who loved Jesus and whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in this dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now here we find Jesus eating with the disciples as what we know as the Last Supper. Now I want you to imagine this eyewitness account because we're going to go back just a little bit. But as Jesus enters the room, he is already in pain, in agony. Aware that this evening of Passover would be his last before returning to his father. Now picture the room, but not the famous Leonardo da Vinci painting of the Last Supper because that's an incorrect depiction. The table was not straight and Jesus was not seated in the middle. The table was in shape of a U called a triclinium. Now the seating held great significance. You would usually wait for the host to seat you, kind of like when you're at a wedding and you arrive and there's place cards sitting out with your name on it. Think about it. The disciples were always concerned with who was Jesus' favorite or most favored of the 12. Jesus probably had to address this at the meal. So if you're looking at the table in a painting or facing it, the seating started out in order of importance and it went all the way around to the least. So most important, all the way around to least. So imagine seating for 13 people and sitting in the first seat 
would be your most trusted friend or most important, going all the way around to 13 to the least, the triclinium. We know through scripture where at least four of the 13 were sitting. The seating started out with John sitting in the first seat as Jesus' most trusted friend. Now the host would be seated in the second seat. And we know through scripture that Jesus was the host as he sent the disciples out to make preparations and gather things up for the meal. Now the third seat was reserved for your most favored guest. And again, scripture tells us that was Judas. So you have John in the first seat, Jesus as the host in the second seat, and Judas in the third. Now we're not given any details about the rest, but we know the disciples filled in around the rest of the table. But what we do know is who sat in the 13th seat. Now remember, we've talked about the fact that they were sitting in order of importance. Now we know through scripture that Peter was seated in the 13th seat or space. Now there is significance in this 13th seat. The 13th place or seat was reserved for the guest that would serve as the servant. Now the servant, if they saw a plate empty or a glass empty, they were to go refill it. They were to wash the feet of guests as they come in to make them clean for the meal. Now Peter was probably like, what? Me? Why am I seated at the end of the table? I mean, he probably felt like he helped lead the disciples. Probably thinking, well, I'm not washing anybody's feet. And think about it. Jesus looking across at Peter, who was supposed to have washed everyone's feet, gets up and does it himself. Now, Peter is watching this go down the whole time. Watching as Jesus is making his way to all the disciples around the table washing their feet. Now thinking the whole time Jesus is doing what I am supposed to be doing. And when he gets to Peter, Peter is like, nope, you're not washing my feet. I am actually supposed to be washing yours. And Jesus replies to Peter, do unto others as I have done for you. Right? Peter probably thought he should be seating, seated where John was in the first seat. 
See, John was said to be the youngest of all the disciples, and young people weren't held in high regard back then, in those times. But Matthew 18 tells us, unless you change and become like children, like these young ones, but Peter didn't understand. And Jesus was serving he was the servant cleansing them, washing their feet. Number 13. 13 reserved for the servant in which Jesus had done. Lots of exciting facts when you dig into this scripture. But now we have Jesus in anguish telling the disciples that one of you will betray me. Now, at this point, the disciples were just downright confused, looking around at each other. Do you know who he's talking about? I don't have a clue. Peter, who was seated across from John, motioned to him, hey, ask him who he's talking about. Now, Scripture tells us that John was reclining next to Jesus, leans back against him. You see, the table, or triclinium as it's called, was a very low table. Now, the disciples would lay down on their left arm so they could eat with their clean right arm. So John was leaning back, asked Jesus, hey, who are you talking about? Who will betray you? And Jesus said, the one I give this piece of bread to when I have dipped it in the sop or oil. Back then, getting the bread first was equivalent to a host asking you to give a toast. It was an honor. And Judas was the main person, the center of attention, seated at the most honored of guests. And Jesus, Jesus turns to his left, looking into the eyes of his betrayer and gives him the bread. Jesus was honoring Judas. He even loved him by washing his feet. Judas was one of the most trusted disciples. He was their treasurer. He was the only disciple that was not from Galilee. But Jesus, Jesus honored him as a way of reaching out to him, loving him, looking into his eyes and saying, friend. But the disciples were still confused they had no idea of what was happening. Judas was the least conspicuous. He was smooth, educated, educated, sophisticated even. He was trusted with the money. But Jesus honored Judas with the bread. And as soon as he did, Satan entered him. And Jesus, in pain, in agony, looked into Judas' eyes 
and said, do quickly what you're going to do. The disciples, still confused, thought Jesus sent Judas out on an errand for the festival. After Satan entered Judas, he got up immediately and went out into the night. But like Judas, we've all got both light and dark inside of us. What matters is what we choose to act on. That's who we really are. Only when we're brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. Because as a follower of Christ, we are called to be the light in a darkened world so others can see Jesus. Because when we hand ourselves, our hearts, and our minds over to the darkness, the night betraying our life to death, our love to self-interest, our hope to despair, like Judas and his 30 pieces of silver. We allow ourselves to turn away from the light, the source of life, and once again, Jesus is in agony, troubled in spirit. Our hearts matter. Think about it. Judas was seated in a seat of honor, but his heart was committed to doing evil. Peter was in the seat of a servant, but his heart was wanting to do right and good, would go on to fail miserably, denying Jesus three times, but his heart was still set on Jesus. Persevering for Jesus. And Peter goes on to be a leader of the people, delivering crucial sermons. Our hearts matter. We will never know why Judas did what he did. But one thing we do know is that Jesus saw something in Judas. And Judas saw something in Jesus. Judas was there for it all. He loved Jesus. He left everything behind to follow Jesus. He saw the miracles, the healings, the raising of the dead, the feeding of the multitudes, the teachings. Judas was there following Jesus. But he left all of that behind. But what we also know is that Judas never thought his friend would die because of what he had done. Judas ended feeling remorseful, giving the money back and ending his own life. Have you ever been in agony because someone hurt you? Maybe it was a friend, spouse, co-worker, family. Maybe it was the church. Maybe it was someone you would have never thought, never suspected, never dreamed in a million years would betray you because you were so close. 
You had a bond like no other, but have you ever been in agony, in pain, because someone hurt you? How did you react? Did you talk about them? Gossip? Try to bring them down? Give it to them in revenge? Make them feel the pain that you felt? Or did you react as Jesus did, loving to the very end? Through all of the agony, through all of the hurt, through every step of the pain he loved. As gut-wrenching as this gospel is, to me, it's a never-ending love story. Now I'm going to leave you with this. Jesus loved unconditionally because he possesses the love of his Father, a love so deep, so enriching, so overflowing that he does not need to be loved in return to love others. Betrayal couldn't stop the love of Jesus. Judas could not stop the love of Jesus. Evil could not stop the love of Jesus, and a crucifixion couldn't stop the love of Jesus. And through it all, Jesus was glorified. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to keep our eyes on you through the darkness and pain, and help us to react from a place of unending love. Let us be motivated through your prayer of our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So much, Kent and Benny. Um, I want to invite all of you to come upstairs and join us for lunch. I, I hear that there's a rumor that we are having Stan Walker's famous, world famous barbecue recipe today, and I'm looking forward to, to that. You can't get that just anywhere. And I hope that you'll join us for, for lunch. And, uh, let's all take with us the nourishment that we have received from our souls. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And we'll have, this will count as our blessing. So once you go through this door and upstairs to the gathering room, then uh, feel free to, to go right ahead. Lord, uh, you have spoken to our hearts through uh, the music, through the message. Help us to, to ponder this in our hearts as we continue this Holy Week. Bring us back together again tomorrow and then tomorrow night for Holy Communion. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.